Hey there, Ava listeners. Thanks again for tuning in to Stin's Workshop. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, excuse me today. I'm a bit nasally because it seems I've caught my son's cold. Ah, daycare. It'll always get your kids sick. <laughs> but in any case, um, so we're going to be talking about A Comb of Wishes today by Lisa Stringfellow. This is a middle grade debut novel and you know it's wonderful because it doesn't really feel like a debut. There have been times where I've read debut novels and I'm like, either the editor dropped the ball on it or you know the publisher was just in a rush to get it out because I thought it was so good but there have been a couple debut novels that I've read that well, I feel like debut novels. Honestly, I think most of it's due to editing and, um, you know, not working as well, the publisher with the author, um, to flesh out scenes and sequences and sentences. But in the case here, I think it was really well done, you know. I think that Stringfellow did an incredible job with this story because it is inspired by Caribbean folk tales on mermaids, but it deals with some pretty heavy themes such as um, grief and sustainability and love, you know, familial love, friendship. And I think that that's really engaging for the reader. You know, you're reading the story and Kayla has just lost her mother a few months ago. Um, and the last words she said to her were, I hate you because her mother was, you know, kind of too busy doing work that needed to be done for her job that she didn't really have enough time to go to the beach and like she promised her daughter you know it happens and it was raining and her mother's car slipped off a cliff you know it's tragic especially when you have her last memories with her mother being words of hatred and words of anger so you really do feel for her character and you're able to connect to her I think we all um, well, I know me personally, whenever I get into a fight with my mother or if I get into a fight with my husband and they get in the car to go to work or to go run errands, you know, there is this lingering, um, thing, you know, I don't want those words spoken in anger to be the last things I ever say to them, you know, I always want them to know that I love them. I never want my last words to anyone to be words of anger or hatred and I really do think it says a lot for the characterization that you're able to really empathize with this character at least I was um, and that's what I thought was really groundbreaking for this novel that Keela finds a magical comb and the comb is you know a mermaid's comb in order for the mermaid to get it back she has to grant a wish Keela's wish is for her mother to be back so it's just 
really wonderful to see her, you know, get the closure that many people do not get with her mother. Um, and there are a lot of ways that the story could have gone wrong. Oh, you're bringing someone back to the dead. Oh, God. oh dear God, right? Um, no. <laughs> you don't have to worry about any of those worries that I think you're worrying about. Because I worried about them. Like, oh, dear God, this is going to go horribly wrong. No, in fact, um, the story's evolution was really well done. I thought it was... really well done <laughs> I know sorry my cough um, my congestion is kind of making it hard for me to think straight even though I'm like staring like at my notes um, I just think it's really great how Stringfellow is talking about grief in this story because there are two forms of grief you have Ophidia she's a mermaid and she's struggling with her own grief now she's had decades to deal with her grief and Unfortunately for her, she's, you know, bitter. She's angry. She has a lot of hatred in her. And her grief has isolated her from her fellow mermaids, you know? So for Ophidia, you're seeing that spectrum of grief, you know, how it can blind you, how it can, you know, blind you to the hatred or it can blind you to recovery that's it and it's really sad you know it's really sad to see it happen to see Ophidia's course take place. And it happens, you know, um, very, very slowly. Like you as the reader, you're following Ophidia, you're following Ophidia's memories. Now she's not remembering everything linearly, but I think that's great. It really allows you as a reader to connect to her characterization. She's and the way Stringfellow tells her story, she tells it in a form of oral storytelling, which is common among um, Caribbean islands, you know. I'm part Native American, I'm part Mexican, and I'm very familiar with oral storytelling. It's how you pass down the legends and stories of your people. So it was really beautiful to see that brought to life in paper form because you are engaging with the story whenever she says crick you say crack you know i was reading that out loud um i was just like drawn to it i know it's supposed to be done orally and so i thought that was really beautiful how stringfellow was able to imbue the reader with that sense of community by engaging with the reader um and for Keila, you know her grief has built this wall this wall of sadness this wall of guilt and you know what this wall as well is isolating her from her community um 
she's really distant from her father she's very distant from her best friend she's very distant with her you know community as well and it's a small community you know um they cater to tourists a lot so they all kind of know each other they all get along with one another and they were all there for her when her mother passed away but she's let her grief blind her she's let her grief build this wall between her and her community so for her to get that closure that she so desperately needs and to move on from it she doesn't let go of the grief and sadness but she's learning to recover and i think that that's something that's important for young readers to understand that you know we as parents we want to shield our kids from everything and death is always kind of that a uh, tough subject when talking to kids because you don't really know how to say or how to express it um, to children when someone dies. You know, it's it's a hard concept, but it is part of life. You know, death is a part of living. No one is immortal. Um, so I think it is important for us to talk to our kids about death. I think it's also important for us to talk to them about grief and how to handle grief. And I think it was really brilliant how Strongfellow was able to deal with this tough, subject I think it was wonderful beautiful um, how she was able to tackle this subject without being overbearing to the kids and you know what she, what she does subtlety um, with her with Keila's prof parents professions is she's also talking about sustainability it's there it's not it doesn't take over the story it's just kind of there in little bits and pieces but they're recognizable to you as a reader and they're teaching moments for kids without and they don't sound like teaching moments which I think is also brilliant she's teaching young readers about sustainability without sounding like she's teaching readers about sustainability <laughs> and I thought it was really well done so overall, you know, I have to give this book four out of five stars. You know, it's beautiful. It was well written. The way that she engages with the reader um, by interpreting oral storytelling into print form was just very brilliant and very well done. And I think she really did capture the Caribbean culture in this story. She did capture the Caribbean here. Um, and it sounds genuine. It sounds relatable and I thought it was you know again wonderful so um if you want to purchase the book which I highly recommend please purchase the book from your local bookseller or online book retailer all I ask is that you purchase the book from a bookstore versus purchasing it from Amazon if you go on bookshop.org they can give you a list of independently owned bookstores nearest you if it's too far away purchase on bookshop.org and a percentage of the sales will go towards the closest um, independently owned bookstore nearest you. And remember, just because there's no Barnes & Noble or Brooks a Million in your neighborhood, you can still order from them online. If you're going to do online sh shopping anyway, bookshop.org, Barnes & Million, Books a Million. I mean, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million. Purchase from them. Support your booksellers. And if your excuse is, oh, well, it's cheaper on Amazon, remember, Amazon makes a deal with publishers that ultimately ends up hurting the author because, again, they sell 
books at a discount. That money goes to the publisher and then a small percentage of what the publisher gets back goes to the reader. I mean, goes to the author, you know, versus selling it at list priced, the percentage outcome, because publishers getting more money for that sale, more money is going to be going to the author. So if your excuse is it's cheaper on Amazon, if you're really focused on saving money, um, please, so go to your local library. Libraries are a great resource for the community and they're there for you to read and research and learn more. So please support your local libraries, support your local bookstores. On that note, I hope you all will continue to support me here by liking this video and not video, liking this podcast, subscribing to it and sharing it with all your book loving friends. Um, I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and as always, happy reading.